Broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on his side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to, we've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda. A voice in the desert. Now, here's Crystal Heath. Hey, what's up, Las Vegas? Good grief. It seems like a long time since we've spent any time together. I'm out of practice. I'm rusty. I was like, wow, where is this microphone? What does this do? How does it work? No, not really, but it has been quite uh, a wonderful holiday season here at Liberty. I had a great uh, vacation in Pennsylvania visiting my family and friends there. Hope you and your family had a wonderful Christmas and a great New Year's celebration as well. Somebody asked me what I did New Year's Eve, and, uh, uh, well, I, I slept. Yes, it's been a while, but I slept right through. I, I Honestly, I forgot that it was even New Year's Eve until about... I think about 10.15. It was like 10.15 Eastern time. And I had already been planning to go to bed by 11 because I was flying out the next day. And uh, and at that point I realized that it was New Year's Eve. But I'd already gotten into the winding down mode. So it, it just wasn't going to happen at that point. And it was just me and mom and dad. So we all just uh, ushered in the new year. Um in our dreams. <laughs> but I was okay with it, honestly, because I, I had a feeling, I had a, a just a, you know, just a sneaking suspicion that I knew how this was going to go to work, how it was going to work. Like I was going to go to sleep, it was going to be 2018, and when I woke up, it would be 2019. I mean, and it worked. It worked. I did not have to stay up until midnight, and it was still 2019 the next morning. And then I flew, flew back. I sat. I normally, well, no, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna complain about my flight. You know, my bags came. I came. Everything. Everything is good. But I will just say this. I'd forgotten why. I don't usually sit at the very back of the plane. It's because it takes a long, long time to get off the plane. But, you know, I I think that everybody maybe was just a little bit tired from New Year's Eve or something. Because it, <laughs> it took us so long. I have never sat on a plane. I don't believe. I mean, except like when there's technical issues or something and you're just sitting on the runway. I have sat on a runway, uh, I think, an hour and 50 minutes. We sat on a runway once before turning back to our gate. I think that was the worst flight experience of my life. But this one, we just, nobody was in a hurry to get off this plane. It was like exactly opposite of what you're supposed to do when you when you land. You know how it works, right? You land the plane, everybody jumps out of their seat because, you know, surely the the forward door is going to open and we can all get out at the same time no but <laughs> but you know what i'm saying like everybody's like Phew! like you are getting off that plane as soon as you possibly can not this flight i mean people were just they were not in a hurry to the point <laughs> that less than halfway through the deboarding process the the the, the announcer not the announcer 
the attendant. The flight attendant gets on the little PA system and is like, Now guys, we have enjoyed having you with us here today on Southwest Airlines. However, we do have a continuing flight on to Seattle. And we have a limited amount of time before we need to depart on that flight. So... As much as we would like to take you with us, if you don't have a ticket to Seattle, and by the way, only one of you does, we're going to need for you guys to just come on off this plane. Like, he's just trying to woo people off of the plane. I have never seen anything like it in my life. <laughs> oh, but that was, I, just, I found that humorous, the, the getting off, which there was other things. that it, it, was, it was not the best flight I have ever been on, but that part for me, just, it kind of redeemed the whole thing. It was like the cherry on top of a flight and flight experience that was just like, oh my goodness. But the (laughs) getting off the plane, I was like, all right, it was worth it to see people not be in a hurry to get off the plane. This is the two things though that I've never understood. The hurry to get onto the plane, right? If you're in the line for boarding, it's not going to leave without you. And especially on cross-country flights, you're going to be sitting in that metal tube in your six inches of your seat with the person next to you thinking they own half of your seat, giving you three inches of space. You're going to be sitting in that in that situation um, for, you know, four to five hours more than that, if you can count when you're taxiing. What is the rush? Why why do you want to get on this plane so badly? Like, I don't want to miss the flight. I get that. But you're the third person in line. You're going to be sitting on that plane longer than anybody. That I've never understood. I've never understood the rush to get on the plane so I can sit in my tiny seat. (laughs) The rush. Like, when you stand up. As soon as the guy says, you may now unfasten your seatbelt, it's like, click, 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 choo! Everybody's standing up. I don't, I don't get it. Like, you're in row 30, buddy. We're not going anywhere for a couple of minutes. These are the things I don't understand about flying. But anyway, we are back. It is a new year, new things, new excitement ahead. So, or for traditionally, what we do for our new year here on The Frittle Show is we do a year in review. It's January 3rd, 2019. We'll talk a little bit. Actually, we'll spend not a little bit essentially the entire show talking about uh, what happened in 2018 next next um next week we'll do a looking ahead what are some big events coming up in 2019 so as I was getting ready for the show today i was looking at different things that i thought would be interesting to talk about that happened in 2018 or whatever and i was like i don't know how this happened but i stumbled across new year's poems I don't know that I've ever read a New Year's poem in my life. I'm not, you know, overly into poetry, except that which is found in the Bible. But um, I stumbled across New Year's poems. And I thought, well, this is fascinating. I need to read a New Year's poem and be inspired. So the first secular New Year's poem that I came across was this one. I'm going to read it to you. 
and then I'll explain why I read it to you after I read it. Okay, it's called The Year. It's by Ella Wheeler Wilcox. It says this, What can be said in New Year's rhymes that has not been said a thousand times? The new years come, the old years go. We know we dream, we dream, we know. We rise up laughing with the light. We lie down weeping with the night. We hug the world until it sings. We curse it then and sigh for wings. We live, we love, we woo, we wed. We wreathe our brides, we sheet our dead. We laugh, we weep, we hope, we fear... And that's the burden of the year. I don't know about you, but I read that and I was like, oh, now I, I, that, that's not inspirational. That's sad. This is not how a new year is supposed to go. And this should not be allowed. I know that there are different kinds of poetry, but this should be a crime. You cannot have a sad New Year's poem. This is not how things are supposed to work. So I revised my Google search term to Christian New Year's poem because, and, and, and once I started reading Christian New Year's poems, I read like 20 of them because they were good. They were hopeful. They were inspirational. And then I compared it. I went and I read a few more secular New Year's poems and I was amazed. It is amazing how a man's uh, philosophy is so, so intertwined with a man's morality. And a life without the hope of, of a relationship with God through Jesus Christ is just so dark and devoid of, of purpose and of opportunity. I, I don't even know how to describe it, but reading these poems and comparing them just made me so grateful to have grown up in a Christian home, to have known God from a young age, to be able to be part of a church where the gospel is preached and where the hope of, of salvation through Jesus Christ is, is spread through our community by the people of this church. It's honestly amazing not just the gift of salvation not the not just the gift of eternal uh, security and knowing what happens when we die but the gift of life right now that we have because of a relationship with Christ i i, I can't imagine going through a day without knowing that any time i need to talk to god about anything He's he's right here. I can I can share with him my my joys, my sorrows, my thoughts, my concerns, my excitements, my fears. I don't have to worry about anything. That doesn't mean that I don't sometimes, but I I don't have to. So, all that to say, how about a Christian New Year's poem for you. A little more inspirational. And I, it was much harder to choose a poem. That one was just, it was literally the first secular New Year's poem I read. And I was, I was saddened. When it came to the, to the New Year's poems that are written by Christians, however, there were so many and so many good ones. I'd encourage you, if you've never read a New Year's poem, I, I don't, I don't think I ever have. But if you've never read one, they're, they're kind of fun, honestly. 
and there's lots of good ones, but I'd encourage you Google Christian New Year's poem. But so here's one uh, by Mary Fairchild. It's called A New Year's Plan, and she writes this. She says, I tried to think of a clever new phrase, a slogan to inspire the next 365 days, a motto to live by this coming new year, but the catchy words fell flat to my ear. And then I heard his still, small voice saying, Consider this simple daily choice. With each new dawn and close of day, make new year resolve to trust and obey. Don't look back caught in regret or dwell on the sorrow of dreams unmet. Don't stare forward anchored by fear. No, live in this moment for I am here. I am all you need, everything I am. You are held secure by my strong hand. Give me this one thing, your all in all. Into my grace, let yourself fall. So at last I'm ready. I see the way. It's to daily follow, trust, and obey. I enter the new year armed with a plan to give him my everything, all that I am. Now that, that is a good, good New Year's poem. And I want to start out with some, some, some New Year's inspiration for you. We're going to take a quick break. When we return, we will get into some of the notable political thought, shall we say, of 2018. So don't go away. Some of these, some of these are just, um, well, you'll, you'll see. Well, you won't see because this is radio, but you will hear. So stay with us. This is KVXL 101.1 FM, Experience Liberty Radio from Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. All right, the new year has come. 2018 is in the rearview mirror. We're going to take one last glance back there here today. With uh, We're going to start out in the world of politics. Then we will get into uh, some general events, inventions, trends, uh, cultural stuff. Um, and then we'll, we'll wrap up with some some inspirational thoughts for 2019. But we're going to start out with political stuffs. All right? And to begin our political look back, <laughs> we have the 20 worst quotes of 2018. Now, my friend John Hawkins over at PJ Media, he put together, uh, every year he does this, he puts together the best and worst quotes uh, by politicians from the year prior. Now, not all of the quotes that he puts together are uh, are family-friendly or radio-worthy, uh, shall we say. So, I, I'm, it, he, he has 20 listed. I don't know if I'm going to share all of them with you. I, I read through them the other day, but I don't remember. I know there's some that we have to skip. So, if you're counting along and you're like, Crystal, you only gave us 18, and you said that there was going to be 20, well... Yes, some things I have to edit out for sake of family friendliness. All right, that is more of a priority than actually giving you all 20 quotes. Comprendo? Everybody got it? Okay, this is from PJ Media, John Hawkins. 20 worst political quotes of 2018. Quote, Uh, We're not going to make America great again. It was never that great. We have not reached greatness. Unquote. That was CNN host Andrew uh, Cuomo. 
Representative Eric Swalwell from California said it would be a short war. He was talking about between the government and gun owners that would refuse to give up their weapons. He said it would be a short war, my friend. The government has nukes, too many of them, but they're legit. I'm sure if we talked, we could find common ground to protect our families and communities, unquote. Detroit Representative Betty Cook Scott said of her Asian opponent, she said, quote, don't vote for the Ching Chong, unquote. Uh, then we had, of course, Pete Davidson on Saturday Night Live mocking ex-Navy SEAL Den Crenshaw, who lost his eye to an IED. He said, quote, I'm sorry, I know he lost his eye in war or whatever, unquote, and went on to mock his appearance. Now that quote, though it does make the worst list, led to one of the best political moments, I believe, of 2018 when we saw uh, conservative Dan Crenshaw taking the incredible high road, not only uh, forgiving uh, Pete Davidson, but appearing on SNL and really uh, just being an incredible example to our country. Wrote a, he wrote a fantastic article about that whole scenario, which if you haven't read yet, you should. Uh, blogger Paris Hilton said, quote, you're a slave to free thinking, unquote. Mm. Uh, Matthew Dowd, a political consultant, said, quote, time for us white male Christians to take a step back and give power to others and make ourselves dispensable, unquote. I'm trying to provide these without commentary. It is quite difficult to do so. Nonetheless, we power through. <laughs> CNN analyst Kirsten Powers said, quote, they'll say, well, I'm not racist. I just voted for Trump because I didn't like Hillary Clinton. And I just want to say that that's not, that doesn't make you not racist. It actually makes you racist, unquote. Mm -hmm. Senator Maisie Hirono of Hawaii said, quote, guess who's perpetuating all of these kinds of actions? It's the men in this country. I just want to say to the men in this country, just shut up and step up. Do the right thing for a change, unquote. Attorney Jill Filipovic said, quote, divorce your Republican husbands, unquote. Author Nina Burley said, quote, almost every single person I've ever heard of with an AR-15 has been a mass murderer, unquote. New York Times colonist Paul Krugman penned this one, quote, There's a new axis of evil, Russia, Saudi Arabia, and the United States, unquote. Maxine Waters said, quote, The next Supreme Court justice should be an illegal immigrant, unquote. Nation of Islam leader Louis Farrakhan said, quote, white folks are going down and Satan is going down and Farrakhan, by God's grace, has pulled a cover off of that satanic Jew and I'm here to say your time is up, your world is through, unquote. CNN host Don Lemon, quote, we have to stop demonizing people and realize the biggest terror threat in this country is white men, most of them radicalized by the right, and we have to start doing something about them, unquote. Actor Peter Fonda said, quote, we should rip Baron Trump from his mother's arms and put him in a cage with pedophiles and see if his mother will stand up against, and he uses words that no one should use regarding our president, uh, that she is married to, unquote. Congresswoman, I'm going to skip that one. 
Representative Maxine Waters again, said, if you see anybody from the Trump cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and create a crowd and you push back on them and you tell them that they are not welcome anywhere anymore. Those are the worst political quotes of 2018. Hate, vitriol, inability to consider another's thoughts or opinions or have a conversation. And so we just hurl whatever whatever we can come up with and hope something sticks. And I know politics has always been a messy business, but it seems to me that it is just getting a lot messier. Maybe not. So we had to start with the worst so that we could get them out of the way. Let's move on to the best quotes. The best quotes of 2018. Uh, the best... Um, um, the most, I would say, maybe not the best quotes, but the most notable. Let's put it that way. The most notable quotes of 2018. Some of which in response to those worst quotes, such as this one from Lindsey Graham, who said, quote, I know I am a single white male from North Carolina, and I've been told I should shut up, but I will not. <laughs> Dennis Prager, incredible, incredible guy. Uh, he said, the left doesn't fight evil, it fights those who do. President Trump said, quote, my duty and the sacred duty of every elected official in this chamber is to defend Americans, to protect their safety, their families, their communities, and their right to the American dream because Americans are dreamers too. Michael Graham said, quote, the lesson many Republicans have taken away from their treatment by the media and prominent Democrats over the past two decades is that they, conservatives, gun owners, Tea Party supporters, and evangelical Christians, are always going to be portrayed as the bad guys, unquote. Jonah Goldberg said, quote, tribalism isn't just about us versus them. It's also about deferring to fame and status, investing in personalities rather than principles. As institutions lose their hold on us, we put our faith in celebrities, unquote. David Brooks said, quote, we don't really have policy debates anymore. We have one big tribal conflict and policy fights are just proxy battles as each side tries to establish moral superiority. I think that's that is so good because that is so accurately descriptive of our country. And I think where so many people lose sight is that it's not that the person that thinks differently than me is necessarily uh, out to destroy the world and is some version of Dr. Evil. No, it's that that person is looking at the world through their worldview. They're viewing uh, what they see happening in our country through the lens of their philosophy, of their morality or lack thereof, and the world as they see it is different than the world as you or I may see it. And so where we might differ, and rightfully so, it just because the other person doesn't see what I see doesn't mean that they are intentionally trying to destroy all good in America. No, they're, they're trying to do what they believe, sincerely, is best for the country. They may not go about it in the right way, but I, don't, I think there are very few people, or I should say much fewer people, much less people, I don't know, forgive me English peoples, um, 
trying to destroy the country than most in the mainstream media would have you believe. I believe that the majority of Americans legitimately want to see what they believe is best for our country happen in our country. And so we used to be able to have political conversations and discussions and say, here are two opposing viewpoints. You support the one you want. Now it's become, no, whichever side you're not on, the other side is is just downright evil and needs to be completely wiped off the face of the earth. We've lost sight of the fact that each side is now trying to simply establish moral superiority rather than having a conversation about, you know, we see the world differently. Now, I'm not saying that, that there's not moral absolutes. That's not at all what I'm saying. The, the Bible, God is very clear. He has laid out a plan for us. And as Christians, we see this is what God wants. And therefore, this is how uh, I will live my life. And this is how I believe that things should happen uh, in, in my city, in my state, in my country. That's, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying the person that thinks differently than you, they may not have a Christian worldview. So you can't expect someone who's never read the Bible to ex- think that you would be right if you say that they should live their life according to biblical principles. There has to be an education or a re-education of America before you expect that someone who has grown up in a completely foreign environment to the things of God will suddenly just embrace the things of God because you say that they are wrong and you are right. All right, uh, let's let's continue on here. Um, actually, you know what? I don't I don't want to continue on these. I think you've I think you've got the idea, and I think that's a good one to stop on because I think it really summarizes what we saw happen in the political landscape in 2018 and 2017 and, honestly, 2016. It's it's just one big tribal conflict. Policy fights become proxy battles as each side tries to establish moral superiority. That's so well said and so well summarizes, I believe, what has been happening on the political landscape of our country or in the political landscape of our country here for the last uh, last several years. But, okay, so enough with the quotes. Let's talk about, and some of you aren't going to like this, some of you are going to be thrilled, we're going to talk about some of the president's top achievements in 2018. Love him, hate him, anywhere in between. There are some things which are simply factual, that the president has accomplished. So let's look at these. Brett Kavanaugh is on the Supreme Court. It was a um, a brutal, messy process. But the president followed through on his promise to put conservatives on the court, and he now has put Neil Gorsuch and in 2018 uh, Brett Kavanaugh both on the Supreme Court. Pretty good. Uh, he... Uh, um, he modernized NAFTA in 2018. I don't have time to get into all of that, but essentially it's a U.S.-Mexico-Canada uh, trade deal that makes um, uh, that, that, that creates a, a better environment for, for trading, a more equitable uh, landscape for, for, for um, 
I don't I don't know how to explain this, but basically it takes away some of China's power and gives the Americas a little more on the world stage. I'm just going to leave it there. Okay. Um, the U.S. Embassy moved to Jerusalem in 2018. The president promised that he would do that during his term, and he fulfilled that promise, something that no other president uh, has done. U.S. law, by the way, has required, for all those who thought that this was a terrible idea, that the president just came up with out of nowhere, no. Since 1995, United States law has required that the United States Embassy uh, in Israel be in Jerusalem, but it has not been there until now. Record American oil production. Have you heard about this? It's a little hard to believe over the last couple of months as we have seen our gas prices skyrocket, uh, especially out here in the West. They're starting to fall, though. I was very pleasantly surprised when I came back. I went to Pennsylvania. Gas prices were, I think it was like two twenty-eight, And I, I, I was like, can I import this? Is there a way? But there was not a way. I could not fly it back home with me. But I got back here and gas prices fell like... 20 cents while I was gone. I was pretty excited about that. It was like 272 out by my house. Good times. But in 2018, the United States, we passed Russia and Saudi Arabia to become the world's largest producer of crude oil. That happened because the president has just been smashing through unnecessary regulations and cutting red tape everywhere. This is, this is I think... The biggest untold story of 2018 is the number of regulations that uh, that President Trump has just moved out of the way. And this is where his business experience, I think, has been put to it. The best use it possibly could be is that he has just made uh, so many, so many good changes and brought so much relief to things that were unnecessary in our law. But uh, so uh, regulatory relief and pro energy uh, uh, initiatives like the Keystone XL pipeline um, have given us just a, a boom in American oil to where we are the world's largest producer now of crude oil. I am not in, you know, the president's biggest fan by any means. But I want to tell you something. If anyone else, any other president in my lifetime had propelled the United States to becoming the world's largest producer of crude oil, this would be this would be nonstop news. But I bet a lot of you didn't even know that that was a thing. Well, it is. Moving on. Uh, the president in 2018 secured the release of 19 people, including 16 Americans from foreign captivity. We saw Pastor Andrew Brunson was freed by Turkey. Uh, we had the four Americans that were held by North Korea. He secured uh, their release. There was an aid worker and her husband were being held by Egypt. He secured their release. The three UCLA basketball players and a Texas businesswoman that were being held by China. A couple and their three children, which were being held by the Taliban, a former CIA officer was being held in Portugal and two citizens that were being held by Venezuela. I'm sorry, that was in, in the first two years of his office. So it wasn't, they weren't all last year. Um, but President Trump in his first two years in office has secured the release of more Americans than President Obama did in his entire eight years in office. That's pretty impressive. 
He also, though we don't discuss this either, either, has done a significant amount of work on a bipartisan level. He's brought out uh, the right to try law, giving dying Americans access to experimental medications. He's done uh, criminal justice reform and sex trafficking legislation that both all of these have had broad bipartisan support. And then there was that, you know, that, that little meeting um, in that little island. Oh, what's it called? Oh, yeah, North Korea. Remember how the world was going to end because Kim Jong-un was going to blow up stuff? The world hasn't ended. The president met with Kim Jong-un. And thus far, in the months following the Singapore summit, he hasn't made any concessions to Kim Jong-un. In 2018, he pulled, or actually, I don't remember if this was 2018, but he's also removed us uh, from the Iran deal, which was just a disaster for our country and for the Middle East. He took on the International Criminal Court and his incredibly graceful handling of George H.W. Bush's funeral was a beautiful thing to see. So, you may not, you know, be a huge fan of the president, or maybe you're the president's biggest fan. Wherever you fall on the line, though, our country is better off today, Americans are better off today, than they were when he took office. And for that, we can be grateful, and we have more to look forward to under this president in the new year. But, that is not what today's show is about. That'll be next week. When we return... What did the world Google in 2018? This to me, this is one of my favorite things to look at at the end of every year. Is what, what did people want to know about? What was the thing that we all asked Google? When we return, I will tell you. Don't go away. I have so much more to go over in this show. I'm Crystal Heath. You're listening to The Fertile Show on KVXL 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio. And we are rapidly drawing uh, to a close here. I really wanted to talk about, I think we have to save it for next week. Uh, on my flight back on New Year's Day, back to Las Vegas, it was we took a long route. I don't know if we were trying to avoid weather or something, but we were on that plane for a long time. And I had I had a lot of, of time. Um and Southwest now, it's fantastic. They have finally entered the world of free movies, as long as you have your own device to stream them on. So I was, I had, anyway, I watched a bunch of bowl games. and Well, not a bunch of bowl games, obviously. I watched different parts of different bowl games at different times. And in between the bowl games, which I would go back and forth to to see if there was something interesting happening... I watched uh, Smallfoot, which I'd been really wanting to watch, and I Can Only Imagine, which also I'd been really wanting to watch. Both movies I really wanted to watch in 2018, never got to watch, so I watched them both on the plane, and it was great because they were free. And I really wanted to talk about them and about movies in general in 2018. But do you know that over 12,000 movies were released in 2018? And I'm telling you, it's, it's mind-boggling, the movie stuff that I looked at. But anyhow, um, meaning like stats and statistics for this show. We're going to talk about it next week because I, we need to talk about movies in general. Um, 
and the, the dichotomy between what I what I saw and the message I received from Smallfoot versus I can only imagine. And, and obviously, like, one is a kid's movie, one is not. One is not a Christian movie, one is. Um, we, we need to talk about these things. But I, I don't have time next week. Next week we are going to do this. Next week's show. So don't miss next Thursday. Um, or maybe Tuesday. I don't know. We'll see. Sometime next week we're going to talk about this because we need to have this conversation, America and Christian parents, because I, I think a lot of times we let things into our homes that are that are seemingly harmless, but that have a, a much different message than what you think uh, you might be bringing in, even in G-rated movies. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about that, but I, I don't have time today because I want to get into this as my as my uh, last segment here, and that is the top uh, Google searches in 2018. This to me is the most telling barometer of where America is at. It's to look at the top Google searches uh, at the end of the year. So in 2018 in the United States, these were the top ten Google searches. Number one, the World Cup. America, football lovers, look, I love football, but you guys need to understand, soccer is a worldwide phenomenon, and um, you're just going to have to jump on board, because this is a thing, okay? So number one trend in Google, top search all year, was World Cup. Soccer is where it's at, people. Uh, Second most uh, searched was Hurricane Florence. Third was Mac Miller. Fourth was Kate Spade. Fifth was Anthony Bourdain. Sixth was Black Panther. Seven was Mega Millions results. Eight was Stan Lee. Nine was Demi Lovato. And ten was election results. Those are your top ten U.S. searches in 2018. You know what I don't see in those top ten? I don't see Donald Trump. I don't see Hillary Clinton. I don't see Congress. I don't see uh, bakers who will bake me a cake. I don't see anthem protests. In fact, I would argue that the vast majority of what the media tells us are the biggest issues of the day, most of America doesn't actually care all that much about. Not that we don't care about it, but it's not the main thing on our mind. These the, the things and the stories that are perpetuated to us on a regular basis are most oftentimes not things that the average American is really spending that much time contemplating. And you know what the top US searches of 2018 tell me that Americans are contemplating? Death. Three of the top five searches in the United States in 2018 were searches about people. Who, who died. Four of the top ten. That tells me that Americans are thinking about eternity whether or not they want to admit it. Americans are talking about soccer. That tells me that soccer is growing and that people care about something that is on the world stage, not just in America. And by the way, the World Cup has made the top 10 for 20 years now. So this isn't something that's new that's come along because of anthem protests or something like that. No, the World the World Cup has always been a top search. Hurricane Florence is number two 
that tells me that Americans care. That tells me that Americans want to know how they can help. That tells me that Americans are generally very generous and good-hearted people. Black Panther. That one's pretty obvious. It was the biggest Marvel movie of the year. And Marvel has created a, a superhero monopoly. And Americans enjoy entertainment. Mega Millions results. That tells me that Americans really would like to have some more money in their paychecks. Isn't that really what it boils down to? Mega Millions results. Obviously, you, you know you didn't win if you're, if you're Googling it. But it's not really so much that you want to know who won. It's that you would really like to have a little more cash in your pocket. Demi Lovato's the only one that I really can't figure out. Uh, something must have happened with her last year. I don't know. I'm not that culturally in tune, apparently. You guys all probably know. I don't know. I don't know why she was number nine on the list. That's the only one on here that truly baffles me. And then ten election results. That tells me that Americans care about the direction that our country is going. Not necessarily about a specific candidate or a specific party. But we do care about the general direction of our country. The election results as a whole. As a country, where are we going? What are we doing? So really, when I look at these top ten, I I see two things. That Americans most cared about in 2018. And that is death, and that is success, whether that's success as an individual or success as a nation. And when you think about it that way, I don't think that our country is as bad off as many people would say. And I don't think that this generation is as different as past generations that some might argue. I think that Americans today care about pretty much the same things that Americans a hundred years ago cared about. Or that people all around the world care about now and, and really always have. We know that life is short. We know that it's coming to an end. And praise God we can know what's going to happen when we die through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And Americans care about success. They want things to work out. They want things to go well. They want to help when there's a need. And they want to be successful in the World Cup, and it was very sad because we missed out, and that's, you know, sad. And that's why I love looking at the Google searches. Following When a year ends, that's, that's the first thing that I look for. What did Americans Google in the last year, and what did the world Google? Because that is the pulse of where the country truly is. Despite what anyone in the media or wannabe media or (laughs) non-media might say. And so we look forward. We have a new year ahead of us. What will we do? with it. G.K. Chesterton said the object of a new year 
is not that we should have a new year. It is that we should have a new soul and a new nose, a new feet, or new feet, excuse me, a new backbone, new ears and new eyes. Unless a particular man made New Year's resolutions, he would make no resolutions. Unless a man starts afresh about things, he will certainly do nothing effective. Ellen Goodman said, We spend January 1st walking through our lives, room by room, drawing up a list of work to be done, cracks to be patched. Maybe this year, to balance the list, we ought to walk through the rooms of our lives, not looking for flaws, but for potential. And Ralph Waldo Emerson said, Write it on your heart that every day is the best day in the year. But I can't just let it go. I can't, I can't leave it at that. Let's leave it with scripture, shall we? Isaiah 43, 18 and 19 says, Remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Lamentations 3, 22 24 says, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. And some of my favorite verses in the Bible, Philippians 3, 12 through 14, say, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I hope that that is your New Year's resolution. I hope that that is your goal for 2019, to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Thanks for being with us today. This is KVXL 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio from Liberty Baptist Church. We have services on Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11.15, and we would love to have you and your family join us for those. You can find us online at experienceliberty.com, or if you're going to visit our campus, our address is 6501 West Lake Mead Boulevard. We're right around the corner from the new Chick-fil-A uh, that's up off of um, uh, off the 95 on Lake Mead. Yes. I, sorry. I was, it's on Rainbow, but the 95 exit is Lake Mead. So Rainbow and Lake Mead, the new Chick-fil-A. We're right, you can just, you know, you can come to Chick-fil-A on a Wednesday. You can't do Chick-fil-A on a Sunday. I'm sorry. It's just, you know, it's a thing. But uh, if you want to come to Chick-fil-A on Wednesday and then hop over for our Wednesday service, that's at 7 o'clock. But you got to wait like a whole week for that. So come on Sunday, 9.30 or 11.15. Uh, you can swing by on Saturday, get your Chick-fil-A, uh, drive past so you know you, where you're going, and then join us on Sunday for one of our morning services. We would love to have you here. Our pastor has started a new series for this year uh, called Thrive. And if you follow him on Facebook, he posts the daily devotionals. Um, uh, of each uh, if each uh, day that we are going through together as a church family. So you can find those there. You can find him on Facebook at David Nan Tice. And last but not least, since Thrive is our theme for the new year here at Liberty, fun fact for you, throwing it way back, back when I had a podcast prior to coming over here to uh, Experience Liberty Radio when it was just a, a podcast life for me, that's a song, but it's, you know, not worth singing right now. Uh, my, my theme song was Thrive from Casting Crowns. That's how we ended the show every single podcast. So now that it's our theme for the year at Liberty, 
we're going to end this our first show of 2018 throwing it back if you will but looking forward as we enjoy our time together as we learn together as we grow together and as we thrive in 2019 we'll see you back here tomorrow same time same place on kvxl 101.1 fm experience the radio in las vegas